Just would like to remind you that we have a offering box that's out in the uh, entryway there, and um, just appreciate uh, uh, you remembering that that's there as we uh, continue through this time, and uh, everything's a little bit uh, different, and uh, we don't pass the trays, and so be mindful of that as well. Uh, hey, we're going to uh, jump back into uh, the book of Colossians. Last week, if you were here, you know that we started in the book of Colossians. And if you were here last week, maybe you recall that the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul was in prison in Rome and he was writing a letter to the church that was in Colossae. He had never been there before. He had never met them. And so he had only heard about who these people are in the community of Colossae and remember what he heard about them. He heard this about them. Colossians chapter 1 verse 4. He said, we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. And we talked last week about the fantastic faith that he has heard of that they had. And we sort of made these points last week that they were a people of a passionate faith and they extended an inclusive love. We said every, they went out and they said, uh, CCC, remember we talked about that? Uh, Colossians Christian, the Colossi Christian Church, CCC. Uh, they were a people that said, everybody is welcome uh, here and that they had shared a dynamic message and that they had uh, hope for heaven and heaven was their uh, hope. We talked about those things. And here's what I want you to understand. Last week when we started off and the Apostle Paul starts off this letter that he is writing to the Colossians, he is communicating to them, hey, church, I have heard about you. I understand some things about you. I have heard that this is, listen, who you are. That's what he's writing them. I have heard and I understand of who you are. He said those things first. And now what we're going to look at today, that Paul continues to write in this letter, and he now begins to communicate them, there is something that I want for you. I know who you are. We talked about that last week. And now there's something that I want you to have. And so he kind of unpacks that thing here. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10 say this. It says, Since the day... We heard about you. We have not stopped praying for you and asking God to. Are you ready? This is what he wants for them. This is what he wants for them. This is what Paul wants for CCC. This is what he wants for you. To be filled with the knowledge of his will. To be filled with the knowledge of his will. That means he wants them all to go to school and learn reading and writing and arithmetic, right? That means he wants them to know social studies. That means he wants them to be able to uh, uh, diagram a sentence and parse a verb. And he wants them to know those things. That I want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will. And he says this, through all spiritual wisdom. That's not necessarily a, a, a school, an elementary school, a junior high school, or a high school education. Uh, that is spiritual wisdom. He wants for them to have a spiritual knowledge, a spiritual wisdom, and an understanding. What does that mean? The Apostle Paul wants them to have, listen to this, uh, we're going to call it this. This is, this is the way we're going to define it. He wants them to have a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview. 
Paul wants CCC and all of the people in it to have a biblical worldview. That when they would see the world, they would see it through the lens of knowledge that comes from God. Through the Spirit of God that comes from God. He wants them to CCC. He wants them to see the world through a lens filtered by our understanding of who God is, a biblical worldview. And then Paul, he just kind of begins to sort of pour that on. And, and verses um, 15 through 23, I'm just going to read verse 15. And he says, okay, this is, this is why we would have that biblical worldview. Jesus is at the center of the Bible in all things. And he says this in verse 15, he says, The Son is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. So when we get to know Jesus better, we get to know God the Father better, we get to understand the Holy Spirit better, because He is the beginning, He is the image, He is the image of the invisible of God. The firstborn over a creation. That means He was first before creation. That means Jesus existed as a part of the triune God before creation was ever even there. He says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. That means the physical and the spiritual realm. Uh, It says, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. That means that Jesus is the centerpiece of all that we are. And so Paul writes to them, he says, I know who you are. This is what I want you to have and want you to be. He says, I want you to have a biblical worldview that has Jesus Christ at the center of all things, and then you can move forward from there. Then Paul goes on, and at the end, and it's kind of, sort of, some of you guys have Bibles that are maybe the NIV, and they're, they're sort of broken into these chapters, and there's chapter headings in there, and then he kind of moves in, he talks about the supremacy of Christ, and he kind of closes out chapter one, and his Paul is sort of giving some examples about his lifestyle, you can look at him, and then he opens up chapter two, and he's talking about, you can look at me and my lifestyle, and kind of make your way, and what I would like to do now is I want to fast forward all the way to chapter 2, chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 6 through 15. And then what Paul's doing here is this. I want you to have a biblical worldview, and here's how. And here's how. Here's some things that you need to put into your life so that you will know that you are living life with a biblical worldview. Let's pray. Father God, we have... uh, established uh, what Paul has done here, and it's a lot. And so, Father, if it's your will, we I just ask that you help us all to forget all of that, but only remember the thing that you want to put in our heart that we would move forward on and do. Father, help us to understand this in context. We thank you for this, in Jesus' name. Amen. So now Paul says this. He says, uh, if you're going to have a biblical worldview, there's something that you need to have. You can write this down right there in your bulletin in the outline. Have deep roots. Have deep roots. Colossians chapter 2, verses uh, 6 and 7 say this. So then, he has just established all of these things, talking about I know who you are, I want you to have Jesus at the center. So then... So then, so then, understanding all of those things, so then, do these things. Uh, Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted, say rooted, 
rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Be rooted. Be rooted. Have deep roots. Okay, watch this. This is just an illustration of having deep roots. And not so deep roots. Keep an eye on the tailgate. All right, here we go. Deep roots. Strap didn't work. Let's get the chain out. Get the leverage up a little bit higher on there. Used to be down a little lower. Just lifting up the back end there. All right, I think you get the point. We can advance it. Have deep roots. You guys all want to know what happens next, don't you? Eventually it comes out 20, 30 minutes from now. I don't know. But eventually it comes out. There. Have deep roots. Isn't that an example of deep rootedness? You, how many of you guys saw some trees around the neighborhood this week? You know, uh, Kind of a deal there. Have deep roots. He says, have deep roots. You remember that in the book of Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells a story. He says there was a farmer that goes out and he reaches in his bag and he begins to scatter uh, some seed, right? Some of that seed falls on a pathway and the birds just kind of land on that pathway and they carry those uh, seeds away. He says some of that, he says some of that seed falls amongst the rocks. It just, and, and he says, it didn't have deep roots. It never had deep roots because there was a little bit of dirt down there in the rocks and it didn't grow. It didn't grow at all because it didn't have deep roots. That's what Jesus said. He said some of it lands there and the weeds come and they choke it out. But Jesus tells this story because he's trying to uh, convince us that we should be a people that would have deep roots. Because when the seed gets planted, when CCC says uh, we want to be a people that has a biblical worldview and we continue to grow our roots and let them reach down in there so that even if some big truck comes and tries to yank us away from the faith, it is unsuccessful. He says, that's what you want. You want your roots to go in there and dig down in so that it will grow and even produce a crop, even a hundredfold of crop, right? That's what Jesus told that story. Karen and I used to live in California. Some of you guys have maybe been to Arizona or maybe you go to Arizona in the wintertime or you've been there before and you've traveled around and we lived in the desert, in the Mojave Desert. If you've ever been to Las Vegas, go straight out to Las Vegas, make a left and just follow that I-15 all the way down through into California in the Mojave Desert. We lived in the desert. You ever, anybody out there ever seen a, a Western movie? Western movie. And then what is it when the wind blows? There's always a going down the road, right? Tumbleweeds, tumbleweeds. We lived in the desert. There were tumbleweeds all over the place where we lived. And uh, tumbleweeds are just like everything else. And when they first start to grow, uh, they're, you know, they're that big, right? When they first start to grow. But then they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so you would have to go out in your yard. Uh, you ever been out in the, those desert landscapes where nobody has grass in their yard, but everybody's got the decorative rock in their yard? Anybody, anybody ever seen that before? Two of you. All right. 
good deal. You can look it up, Google it, Google it, okay? And, uh, and so here's the deal. Uh, you'd have to go out there in the yard. You'd have to go out there in the yard. And uh, we had this thing called a hula ho, a hula ho. And you'd have to go out there and you'd have to scratch them off. You would not want those things to get any root whatsoever because they get a little bit long and they get kind of chunky around the base there. And then they're hard to get off. But if you go out there when they're a tiny little root, it's just real easy to scrape off, real easy to scrape off. And go out there and keep your, keep your yard clean so that the tumbleweeds wouldn't grow up in your yard. Now we've got mulch in our yard. Maybe you guys have mulch in your yard. And you go out and you look at the mulch. And all of a sudden you see a little tiny green leaf start to pull up like that, right? And you can kind of grab that tiny little thing, give it, give it a little shake, and then you got those little tiny little, little, little roots that are kind of hanging down there below it, right? You've seen that before? Paul says, have deep roots. Have deep roots in the faith. How do you get deep roots in the faith? Time-honored. Time-honored. You read your Bible and you say your prayers. You have to study your Bible. You have to read your Bible. You have to learn what your Bible means. You have to study it. You have to spend time in prayer. Listen to this. Having deep roots is not hard. But having deep roots takes a hard commitment. It takes a heart. You have to be committed to being in your word. Paul says, there's something I really want you. At church, I know who you are. CCC, I know who you are. But there's something that I want you to have. I want you to have this deep spiritual knowledge. I want you to have this biblical world view. And so in order to do that, I want you to have deep roots. It says this in Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Always be prepared to give an answer. To everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. He says, but do this with gentleness and respect. Be rooted in your faith in such a way that when you're having a conversation with somebody, uh, you've got the answers. And you know how to defend your faith. Have deep Roots. Don't let Satan hook a chain on you and just kind of drag you on down the road. Have deep roots. And then this, number two, write this down. Don't be hollow. Don't be hollow. Don't be hollow. Don't be hollow. Mahalo, right? Don't be hollow. And uh, take a look at this picture here. And uh, you see anything like that this week? See anything like that this week? Anybody? Anybody? Uh, you seen these? Um, uh, this, I don't know when, when or where that picture was taken, but uh, I just kind of Googled that image. But uh, maybe you saw things like this, where you saw uh, trees that were uprooted. And maybe you saw this week trees that uh, uh, the, the, the branch split and peeled off of there. And you look inside of there, and the thing is just hollow. It's all hollowed out. Uh, did you, did you see anything like that around there? You've seen things like that? So don't be hollow. Why not? Because it weakens you, right? This is, what, this is the way Paul put it. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. He said, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. And now he's going to define that. Hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human, human tradition and the basic principles of this world. Human, this world, philosophy versus, rather than, Christ. Human, this world, philosophy versus having a biblical world view. It is hollow to have all of your uh, truth come from this world. It is deep-rooted to have all of your wisdom come from Jesus. That's what he's saying. Don't be hollow. Wisdom and discernment and truth 
can be hollow and they fall. But wisdom and discernment and truth that is right will stand. We saw that in the video. Here's what we need to understand. That biblical truth is needed now today more than ever before. It is needed. Why is it needed? There are so many false choices and inconsistencies and mixed messages that are all around us. Aren't they? There are so many false choices and mixed messages. And here's a, here's a word I want, you to, I want you to learn. Maybe you know what this word means. Moral relativism. Moral relativism. Have you heard that word before? Moral relativism. What's that mean? Here's the definition of it. Morality has not been given to us, but is something an individual can discern for themselves. Or maybe you've heard it said this way, you can choose your own truth. You live your truth, I'll live my truth. Everybody gets to choose their own truth. Have you ever heard that said before? You can live uh, your own truth. Listen. I can choose whatever I want to do. You can choose whatever you want to do. You got a truth. I got a truth. Here's what I can tell you. It doesn't work. Because there are things that are simply true. So uh, uh, let's say that uh, I have a boulder, a boulder, a 20-pound boulder in my hands, okay? And uh, you put your toe right under the boulder that I am holding in my hands. And I say, in my truth, gravity is real. And you say, in my truth, gravity is not real. And then uh, uh, you, you can have your truth and I can have mine. And then I let go of that boulder. How many of you are going to leave your toe there and you're going to stay on the fact that I don't believe gravity is real? No, you're going to say, uh-oh, that's true. That's true. Truth is always true. Lies are always lies. There is no you get a truth and I get a truth. It is there is only truth. That's the, and so moral relativism says uh, you can have your truth and you can have your truth and anybody can have a truth. And after all, uh, truth comes from a biblical worldview. Paul says, hey, CCC, I want you to have wisdom and knowledge that come from God and not empty, hollow philosophies that come from the world and come from man. Because here's what happens when man says they're in charge and that they have good philosophies. Guess what? There were a whole lot of people that followed a guy around and uh, he created quite the empire and made quite a global mess of himself. Do you remember a guy named Adolf Hitler? He had a truth. He had a truth and he invited a whole lot of people uh, to be engaged in the truth that he had. And he had an entire army behind him and he had people that would rally behind him. And he had a truth and we had a truth. Whose truth are you going to choose? Which one is true? There is only biblical truth. And everything else is a lie. Moral relativism doesn't work. Listen to this. There's some examples, kind of false choices that are out there. And in the world that we live in today, there's all kind of wackiness going on. You ever read the headlines? <laughs> um, uh, there's crazy stuff going on. There are sides, and there are moral sides, and they're trying to pit people against each other. Have you ever heard this phrase? Of course you have. Black lives matter. Guess what? That's true. Black lives do matter. Jesus died for everyone. And then you've heard this saying, blue lives matter, right? And it's true. Law enforcement's been put there. It's been ordained by God. It's an authority that he's got set up in order to, you know, shut down wackiness and things like that. And so it's true that black lives matter. And it's also true that blue lives matter. But here's the problem. Both sides want to claim the, listen, listen, both sides want to claim the, listen, Moral high ground. 
Uh, They want to say, we have the moral high ground, they do not have the moral ground. No, we have the moral high ground, uh, they do not have uh, the moral high ground, because you you can't say all lives matter, because you get yourself in trouble if you say all lives matter today in the world that we live in. But each one's trying to figure out, and so then you have to say, well, which mob am I going to align myself with? Which truth do I want to align myself with? But Paul says, see, see, see. Have deep roots. Don't fall for the lies that are hollow. You know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. You rise above all of the nonsense and you say every single person matters to God and we're going to love them and we're going to respect them and we're going to help those that need to help up and we're going to come alongside those who are trying to help others and we're going to live our lives in a way that people will know Jesus. We're going to live our lives in a way that people will know Jesus. So, we need a filter. Write this down. Jesus is our life filter. We can't look at hollow arguments from the world. We need to look through our Jesus filter. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 says, For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. That means that Jesus Christ was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is God incarnate. He is there, was there before the creation of the world. He was there when he was here on this earth. He is still there today. He is the centerpiece. All things were created for him and through him and by him. He is everything. He is everything. Nothing exists without him. If Jesus ceases to exist for a nanosecond, then everything ceases to exist for all times. But everything goes through. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. It says, and you have been given fullness in Christ. Jesus is the foundation and the standard by which we live. Who is the head over every power? And authority. Jesus is in charge of everything that's going on on the whole planet Earth, and it's our job to pay attention to Him. Okay? Look at this picture. Look at this picture. All right, Bob, what is this? An airplane, right? And uh, it's an airplane. Okay, that's a cockpit of an airplane, and uh, a lot of gauges there, right? Look at all those gauges. I, I don't know what all those gauges are, and, um, but here's what we know about that. Uh, somewhere on there, I, I don't know where, somewhere on there, there's going to be a GPS. And it's going to tell him uh, uh, the latitude and the longitude that he is at. Uh, somewhere on there is going to be an altimeter. It's going to tell him uh, the elevation that he is at. Somewhere on there, there's a gauge that is telling him exactly how fast he is going. Right? Uh, somewhere on there, uh, there's a gauge that's going to be telling him uh, the exact temperature of the engine. There's going to be a gauge on there somewhere that's going to be telling the exact temperature of the cockpit. Somewhere on there, there's going to be a gauge that's going to tell them every little bit and nook and cranny of that aircraft and where it's going and where it's heading, what's going on. All of those gauges are there. They're all there. All of those gauges are there. Now listen. All of those gauges are telling the pilot, listen. All of those gauges are telling the pilot what is. All of those gauges are telling the pilot what is. It is at this elevation. It is 
moving in this direction. It is this temperature. It is this. It is the pilot's job to determine where those gauges ought to be. It is the pilot's job to put those gauges where they ought to be. If the plane ought to be flying at 30,000 feet, then that's what the gauge should say because the pilot has said it's supposed to be flying at 30,000 feet. If it's supposed to be flying north because the pilot has said it's supposed to be flying north, when you look at the gauge, the gauge should say it is flying north. The gauges tell you what it is. The pilot tells you what it ought to be. And today, in America, you can look at a lot of gauges. You can watch Fox News, you can watch CNN News, you can watch headline news, you can, you can read the newspaper, you can, you can go online, you can see a lot of things, and you can see what is. But what it ought to be is to be directed and steered through every one of us as we live a life that is rooted deeply in Jesus and has no hollow arguments, and then we begin to live our lives in a way that other people can look at and say, they seem to be going in the right direction, we should be going in the direction that CCC is going, because they are living their lives where they ought to be going. And then right after that, Paul, he gives a couple of illustrations. He gives a couple of illustrations right after he says that. He continues in Colossians chapter 2, verse 11, he says this. He says, In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of your sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ. The apostle Paul tells them, there are some things you got in your life that you need to put off. You need to remove it. You need to get it out of your life. If you're going to be deep-rooted, there's some stuff that needs to be removed. If you're going to get rid of the hollowness, there's some things that you need to be removed. Paul tells us in, in the book, of Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 he says the acts of the um, the flesh are obvious the sexual immorality cut it out uh, impurities and debaucheries and idolatry and witchcraft hatred discord jealousy get rid of it cut it out fits of rage remove them selfish ambition make it go away uh, dissensions and factions and envy uh, drunkenness get rid of it orgies and the like get rid of all of those things cut them out that way you will know that you have your gauges set where they ought to be set. It gives another illustration. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism. Baptism, uh, uh, the, um, the idea of circumcision, cutting those things away or removing those things. Illustration number one, baptism is the next illustration that he gives as how we can know that we do not have a hollow life, but we are rooted. Having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith, and the power of God who raised him from the dead. A baptism 
Baptism was when you symbolize, I am choosing to die to myself and to be raised again and live a new life for Jesus. I'm laying lowered into a grave. The water comes over me. I'm rising again to be a new person in Christ. So no longer am I going to be shallow, little, wimpy, rooted. Uh, No longer am I going to live my life that way. I'm going to grow deep roots. I'm going to abandon all hollow philosophies. And from this day forward, I will live for Christ. And then we're just going to conclude here. 13 and following, he says this. When you were dead, you you used to be dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, uh, you were still attached to your sin. All those things. He says, God made you alive. You used to be dead, but God has made you alive in Christ. You used to be on the verge of dying, but now your roots are deep and you are growing and you are flourishing. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, just like Teresa was talking about a little bit earlier. Having canceled the written code with its regulations, the Old Testament law, all of those, uh, you have to uh, dice up the fatty parts, and all of those things have gone away, and now we put our faith in Jesus. He says, that law is gone. That was against us, and that stood opposed to us. He took it away. Nailing it to the cross. Our sinful nature has been nailed to the cross. And having disarmed the power and the authorities, he kicked Satan in the teeth. He made it public spectacle of Satan and all of the things that he did wrong, triumphing over them by the cross. When we take Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our job is to grow deep roots and not be hollow put on a biblical worldview and lead people to the cross of Christ so that their sins will be taken away and they can live new in Jesus Christ. Listen, I don't know where all of your spiritual journeys are, but maybe you need to uh, do some business with God. Maybe you need to get right with him and you need to spend some time in confession and prayer and you need to say, God, I have not been living the way you call me to live and I need to, I need, there's some things that need to be cut out of my life and by your Holy Spirit, I ask for your help and having those, those things cut away. I don't know if you ever made a decision to follow Jesus or be baptized into Christ. And if that's something that you need to do, I would say, let's have a conversation about that and you can be baptized into Christ and you can be made right with Christ. I don't know what kind of decision you need to make, but if I can be a part of that and you'd like to talk through some of those things, I would be happy to do that with you. In the meantime, I'm going to ask that you'll bow your heads and let's pray together. In conclusion, let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, and help us to live the way that he calls us to live. We ask it in Jesus' name and amen.